Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Organization Conversation. Brought to you by Wall Control Storage Systems. Wall Control gives you the storage and organization you crave. Now, here's your host, Richard Grove. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Um, This is exciting because it's the first actual episode that we've had. We did a little intro, so if you listen to that, you kind of know a little bit about wall control and what we do, but if you didn't, um, we are a manufacturer and brand of wall-mounted storage and organization systems from the garage to the kitchen to uh, commercial use, any anything in between there. So we're a family-owned and operated business, um, and as such, we thought it would be cool to kick off the first episode with the two founders of Wall Control, um, Mr. John Brown and Mr. Rick Grove. Uh, if Rick Grove's name didn't give it away, he is my father, and John Brown is my granddad. So it's uh, cool to have these two guys here to kind of tell the story about where we came from and where we're at and where we're going. So anyways, without further ado, I will get things started. Um, we'll start with my granddad and uh, granddad, if you could tell us a little bit about how you got into metalworking and your history there. When I uh, got out of high school, my family wasn't financially able to put me into college and I wasn't interested. So I decided I'd go into the metalworking industry. I had a neighbor Mr. Shank, who was a die maker, I thought that sounded like a, a cool operation. And so I went and applied for a job, and they didn't have an opening. My dad was a machinist, so I went and applied for a job as a machinist. And I was hired and started running screw machines. Seven or eight months afterwards, they decided I was good enough I could go to night shift, which wasn't good for an 18-year-old kid. So I went back to the die shop and got a job as a Apprentice die maker. They had opening. Uh, that was in 1957, and uh, worked as an apprentice for four years. And in '64, five of us decided to start a business of our own. We did, and we ran that business, the die shop, till '68, when we decided that uh, if we were going to remain, remain friends and not kill <laughs> each other, we need to sell it. That so makes sense. Yeah. So we sold it to one of the partners, and I started the cab tool at that time, and uh, have been stuck there ever since. Yeah. <laughs> one of these days, maybe you'll get out, and who That's knows what? Yeah, they'll. Yeah. So, well, it's been obviously great since then. To still be here today is awesome, and a testament to your leadership over the decades. So, yeah, cool. Well, um, Dad, how did you get into it? And I don't. I don't think mine was quite as deliberate. I was selling shirts at the mall. Uh, in high school, and my girlfriend's father came and offered me a job uh, polishing molds. Um, I don't think um, there was anything particularly he saw in me that was um, mechanically capable. I think I was cheap labor, John. Isn't that pretty much how that went? I was. I could be had for for, for not much money. He was cheap. <clears throat> yeah, well, so. again, going back to you being a good businessman. So <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, I started working there part-time polishing molds and that was the first glimpse of the machinery, which I thought was pretty cool stuff. I'd always been a tinker, um, messed around with mechanical things. So, um, my plan was that I would, uh, I would go to Georgia tech and become an engineer because it seemed like this was the kind of thing I would enjoy doing. Uh, what I found out, uh, you being a mechanical engineer, you probably know this, that, mm-hmm. um, the first two or three years of, of engineering is math. Yeah, uh, it's, it was rough first yeah, semester for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's actually math with letters, not numbers. DX over DT equals F something. <laughs> so 
after uh, struggling with that for about uh, a little over a year, um, Georgia Tech decided about the same time I did that we didn't like each other, and we uh, we mutually parted ways. And I went back to DeKalb uh, full time and started designing, um, and um, they've kept me there for as long as I've been there. So yeah, uh, DeKalb Tool and Die, and uh, Tool and Die is pretty much the only adult uh, job that I've ever had. Yeah. Well, you've done a good job at it, so it seems like you're learning, so you're picking it up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get there. It's only been 40 years. Give me some time, Richard. Exactly. So, well, yeah, so that's a good good history there. So I guess kind of segueing into wall control, um, what made you guys decide to start wall control? Uh, Rick came in one day with with an idea. He had been working in his barn and couldn't get his tools to hang up. And we had we had decided we wanted to make our own widget someday. You go in manufacturing plants and you see stuff. You say we could do that better another way. So we'd always wanted to manufacture something of our own. He came up with this idea, and for three or four months we played with how we would do it. And then eventually we decided it was a go project and incorporated it in I think two thousand two. Yeah, there was a there was a time there where, uh, as manufacturers of other people's things, we were, were were tier two, tier three, uh, stamping for other people. And uh, as the economy slowed, people started to bring their stuff back in. We didn't have any control over the, the amount of business that that was leaving, uh, with the idea that if it was ours, nobody could take it. Uh, and about that time is about the time I was messing around with the, the pegboard in my in my shop and realized that there's there's something better that can be made to do this do the same job. Fortunately, um, idea is not worth much if you can't actually fund the tools to make the part. And um, uh, he might have tricked me into working for him, but I tricked him <laughs> into <laughs> into subsidizing the, uh, the the manufacturer tools for for wall control. So uh, I guess we're even now, John. <laughs> Very good. So um, yeah. So I mean, wall control was brought about out of challenging times. What are some challenging times and, uh, you know, obstacles that have been overcome since its inception that you can recall? Well, there's, uh, the, the first one was, I guess the, uh, the huge, uh, financial burden of making the tools. Um, uh, you can, you can know a lot about manufacturer. You can even make a good product, but if you don't know how to sell it, it doesn't matter. Uh, so what I learned after the first few years is we were really, really good at building tooling. We were really, really good at making a product and we were really, really bad at selling it. Um, and that's, that's a recipe for financial disaster. So the, uh, the biggest obstacle, I guess, John, in the beginning was how do you, how do you end up paying for all the tools that, that this, this guy came up with to, (laughs) to build to make parts. I think that part of it but part of it was our direction we were going to trade shows and uh, that doesn't always work one of the trade shows we went to in baltimore we're across the we're across the aisle from rat killing poison and neutering equipment (laughs) a great a a great location wasn't a whole lot of people coming around for storage at that point but Mm -hmm. finances was a big problem and we were blessed with a bank that uh, that uh, saw our vision and were able to fund it for us and that was a I guess that was a point that turned us around. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. We were, at, again, at a trade show, and um, I felt like this was the one that was going to put us over the top. This was the one where we'd get noticed, and uh, it was it was a horrible show for us. And there was a guy next door to us in the booth next to us, and he was selling um, little trinkets, little tchotchke, stuff that people 
by at the, at the checkout counter. And uh, he's just writing orders, people in the booth all the time. And uh, I was talking to him afterwards and well, in one of his breaks, and he said, he looked at it and he goes, you know, some products just don't sell. <laughs> and it's not what you want nice. to hear when you're, when you're that vested into, uh, into tooling. And so that, that kind of, I came away from that one. That was kind of a low point for me uh, as far as, uh, you know, maybe, maybe what this is is not what I thought it was. Uh, fortunately there, there, at that point, there was no, there was no turning back. The, uh, you know, the, the ships had been burned. We had to, we had to continue on. And, uh, but that was, I guess for me, was probably one of the low points. Nice. That, yeah, that's uh that one hurts when you hadn't sold anything either. So you just, you don't know what, what lies ahead for you. So kind of, you know, the, the next logical question there, what are some of the moments where you felt it was gaining momentum or, you know, you, where you could see it was turning into something and it wasn't just, uh, you know, a exercise in futility. I think when you were working at Warner Robbins and you came and you said, <laughs> I think I can make this work. I thought, you know, it, I appreciate uh, this that. is a, this is a third view. Maybe it does work. And, uh, fortunately for us, we agreed with you and you came on and it's, uh, it's well, done well since then. It's been my honor and I appreciate, um, the long leash I've been given to, you know, try the things that I've tried and, you know, we've had ups and downs for sure, flops and successes, but, um, it's been, it's, it's been a net awesome. So, yeah. well, to, to John's point earlier, it was, it was exciting to me at, at a point when I was concerned about what the future was, that there was actually a bank that looked at it and said, you know what, we think you guys can make this go. Um, they looked at the product and were, Felt like there was a it was justified to spend spend the money on so that was that for me was kind of a high point and then I guess when that loan got paid off that was that was kind of a real high point um, able to move in a few years ago to a, a freestanding uh, facility uh, the warehouse that was that was good and like John said I think uh, I think the higher of you and and even at at that point when you were able to add other family members to the business and and. Even those who aren't family members, I think the fact that you can you can look around a warehouse and and see the number of people who who make a livelihood at it, um, and and flash back to that moment when someone tells you, "Hey, some things just don't sell." It, it feels pretty pretty good for sure. But I would add that debt free didn't last long. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, that's the problem with growth. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, so kind of moving from the history to where we are now. And uh, just the system in general. So, you know, people always ask me, what's wall control? What do you, what do you do? And it's, you know, I tell people we're, we're, we make metal pegboard, store your tools, but it's hard for people to even get that sometimes. Sometimes they got to see a picture. So if I were to ask you, how would you describe wall control? What would be your elevator pitch for someone who's never heard of us? Wow. Um, I kind of, I kind of, uh, perfected that in years of trade show because uh, you get about 15 seconds to get somebody's attention. Uh, I, I, I sell it basically as a, as a durable, uh, attractive, versatile uh, alternative to all of the traditional styles of wall storage. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much in my mind what it is. Uh, the, the amazing thing to me is not the amount of, different applications that we found for the product, but the amount of applications that users have found for the product. Uh, you know, there's, there's people doing things with it that never even crossed my mind uh, at the time when it was being developed. And what I've learned from that um, is I don't think we have a demographic. Uh, 
you can, it, it doesn't matter if you're female, male, it doesn't matter if you're business or, or private individual. It doesn't matter if you're cooking in the kitchen, cleaning your closet, cleaning your garage. Uh, it really doesn't matter. Uh, there's, there's some use of the, you ha- you could have some use for the product. So, um, I think that, uh, that was a long elevator ride. No, that's, <laughs> no, uh, that's a good one. That's excellent. But, uh, I, I really, I really can't think of anybody who you could just say they absolutely have no use for it, whether mm-hmm. they live in a home or an apartment or whatever they, or whatever they might, you know, uh, whatever their application might be. I mean, I, it's in, um, my understanding we're in the, uh, NASA, uh, we're in, we're actually on naval, na- naval vessels, vessels, excuse me. Um, and then all the way down to in the uh, toy closet of my grandson. So it's, it really mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Everybody's got to use. Exactly. What about you, granddad? What would you tell to a friend at church that wanted to know what we did? Uh, I we would need- tell him to try pegboard. And yeah. Off <laughs> yeah. Here's no, my think, grandson's number. I yeah. think, uh, I think the problem that um, we have is the lack of exposure. I mean, you know, there, I would say there's probably one or 2% of the people in the, around that would know what we're talking about. If you mm-hmm. walk out this door, nobody would know what we're talking about. Exactly. As long as that continues, then the, then the possibilities of sales are, you know, mind boggling. If you could think about people that could use it, you know, mm-hmm. that don't know about it. Yeah, I did. I forget. This was just the engineering part of me, but basically like the degrees of separation, how many yeah. unique customers we would have to have for statistically each customer to know sure. or, or, every adult in the United States to know somebody who has it. So, and we're getting to that critical mass, I think actually. So it's a not, I mean, it's a big number, but relative to the population, it's not, you know, it's a, it's everybody a knows what pegboard is, right. But they don't know what steel pegboard is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even that, even pegboard, you know, I, I thought everybody knew what it was, but they really don't. You gotta, you gotta say, you know, you know, the old Brown stuff that hangs in your, your room, you know, that kind really? of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a, you know, as I kind of take for granted or the assumption that everybody knows what that is, but it's a little less prevalent than I thought. So, so well, my, my brother years ago, when we first started, he told me, so that's really good. So, but you know, it takes 20 years to create a brand. And I just looked at him and said, well, you're probably crazy, but mm-hmm. he was right. He was, he's absolutely right. It, it takes 20 years to, yeah. to create a brand. Yeah. The overnight successes were 20 right. years in the making. Un- yeah. Unless you're Facebook or something like that. And then it's like, but yeah, that's a little different. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, so along those same lines of how you would, how you would sell it, how do you actually use it in your own home and in your own spaces? We have it in the garage where my car is at. We have it in the other garage where my two or my yard tools are. We have it in my wife's closet where she hangs jewelry. We have it in the kitchen in the laundry room where she hangs things. We have it in the pantry where she's got 300 pounds of, of recipe books that she never uses. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't listen to <laughs> this. So, yeah. <laughs> and what about you? Pretty much the same way. It's in my shop. It's in my garage. It's in my uh, laundry room. It's in the closet. It's again, in the grandson's toy room. Uh, I actually have, Panels that I sit down and lay on my desk and put dividers in, and I store folders in it. So it's yeah. Uh, again, there's when when you start looking at it and thinking of the things you can do with it, there's just an enormous number of uses that haven't even crossed my mind yet as far as what can be done with it. 
Yeah. So that leads to another good question. Um, in an effort to, you know, bring value to listeners, what's a, if you can think of it, what's a, a unique or underserved application that you think that people just don't realize it can do? I think I've been harping on this one for years <laughs> and years. Uh, there's a hook that we call the universal hook and, um, it actually attaches to the pegboard and you can, there's nothing, it, you attach whatever you want to it. You can hang a cap, you know, a cabinet on it. If you wanted to, you can, uh, you could put a hook and hang your children on it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, just a, uh, it's a hook that you attach to whatever you want to put on the board and then attach it to the board and it's removable. So it's called a universal hook, universal bracket, universal bracket, mm-hmm. 10 UMB zero, zero, whatever, nine. Good job. But, yeah. But that's uh, close. <laughs> But I, I, that's, you know, I, I tell everybody that's my favorite hook and, and nobody ever buys it. So I don't know what, yeah. evidently, maybe I'm not a good opinion as to what's, what's a, we'll just, uh, yeah, we got to get the word out a little better about that one. Hopefully this helps. So what about you, Mr. Brown, any unique application that you can think of that you feel like people don't really, I don't think they use it for gardening, uh, storing gardening equipment as they could. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, when people when it comes to mind, people usually just think small hand tools, and they don't yeah. think bigger, you know, gardening equipment. I think you got a wheel wheelbarrow hanging on one in your garage as well. So yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot it can do for sure. So I mean, there's a, that uh, tennis shoe store in New York, and all of their shoe tennis shoes are are on it. Who, yeah, who would have exactly. thought it's a display for tennis shoes? It's been in uh, we're in museums, and people use it for hanging art in a, in museums. So uh, there there've been some. Yeah. And that's what, you know, just, we have a photo contest where people can send in their setups and just seeing the applications people send in is just crazy. Sometimes the things people use, and we use a lot of that, um, to build the, you know, quote prepackaged kits that we have. So letting the customer tell you what they want and how they're using it, um, has been a really effective way for bringing it to more people. Cause some people can see the panels and the hooks and they just get it and they know what it does and they can see all the options you know, right laid out in front of them, but some people really need to see it in action in their specific use. And so it's been nice kind of marrying those two, uh, I guess, groups of our customer base to bring value. So cool. So, um, kind of going, I guess maybe a little bit of a step back or it can be internal to the business. What are, um, some challenges that you see, uh, in today's market and, um, how do you see those being addressed? So I know, we were talking before we started just steel in general. Um, yeah. So can you speak to any of that, especially yeah. from the manufacturing side of things? I think from the manufacturing steel is going to correct. I don't, I don't, I think that's kind of a temporary thing. Uh, the thing that I would be most concerned about from the manufacturing side is labor, skilled labor. Um, it's just not out there. Uh, it's not being, it's not being cultivated. Um, it's not being promoted and there's just, it's just not out there. I can remember, and you probably, John, more so than I, um, as a as a kid in school, you know, you were you were offered shop class, you were offered drafting classes. I can remember as as eleven year old in four H, I took a small engine repair. I don't you know I don't know that any of those things are really available anymore, and people just don't they tend not to want to get into it. Uh, so, uh, manufacturing needs skilled help. Uh, there's obviously there's there's machinery that's technology that's taking the place of, of some of the things, but um, there's, there's still just a, uh, a huge void. Uh, I don't know the short-term answer to it, Yeah, uh, but uh, I, I think that uh, if, if I was to point to one thing, it would be, it'd be skilled, skilled labor. 
Yeah. What about you, Granddad? Well, I think high school counselors push you towards a college degree. There's some kids like myself that that just wasn't in the in the making, and uh, a skilled trade was certainly a an option, or could be an option for many kids today. And that's uh, a skilled trade can can make a good living for you for sure if you learn it. I think along those same lines, I'm hopeful that so we have our you know brand ambassador partners that we work with, and they're all, I mean a ton of them are craftsmen, woodworkers, you know, in the trades and. Uh, like our neighbor, Brian Fuller, we'll have to have him on the show, but you know, I think, I think kids seeing people like that, like killing it, doing something with their hands and being skilled. I'm hoping that starts to change the, I guess the, the mental image of what you think of, you know? So, you know, like you said, the counselors try to steer you to college and say, you have to do this. And they kind of paint a picture in your head. That's not true of people actually doing skilled work. And I think that you know, social media can help change that because people can actually see, well, this is pretty sweet. Like I enjoy this. I could, you know, I, I could, I could see myself being what this person is. So it gives role models to, to kids that are kind of in that same situation. They're not, they're not going to go to college for one reason or the other. And instead of feeling like it's some sort of dead end, it can be like really mind or eye opening that what you can accomplish, just learning a skill and a trade. So I think there's a, a pretty much a loss of appreciation of what it actually takes to make something. Uh, even some, uh, it's even starting to creep a little bit into the maker community um, as tech, tech technology becomes more affordable, you know, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, you got people like uh, say Lizzie or, Mor- or Morgan who are just absolutely skilled on a scroll saw. Well, you can buy a CNC router and pretty much make what they're making, but you can't make it with your hands like they did. Uh, yeah. This, uh, this past weekend I was, um, toured the USS Yorktown up in Charleston and was absolutely dumbfounded and awestruck, not necessarily by the ship itself, but by what it would have taken to build that ship in 1941 uh, when you didn't have lasers and you didn't have CNC machines and you didn't have power riveters, you didn't have all these things. And you walk in and you look at it and you think, how in the world did they do this and do it in 16 and a half months? Uh, you know, no CAD drawings, <laughs> no 3D you know, files, just made with, with, uh, machinery and that was run by hand. So, yeah, it's um, seeing the art of it for sure. Right, like it's what it is. That's a piece of art. So yeah. it's, and it's the same thing going back to like the maker community, just the, the understanding how things are made and recognizing, uh, the art of it when it is made by hand and what all goes into that. Yeah, I so. think, I think John's dad was kind of the master of that. Uh, uh, David died when, uh, when your mom, sold her house. I, I I went in the backyard and I pulled up some of his fence posts from his cyclone fence or steel fence and, you know, corner posts, if I remember right, drive shafts, is that right? From the junkyard and the posts, he, he tur- turned the little knolls on the top of the posts himself. Uh, it's, it's something that unless you understand what it takes to do that, there's really no appreciation of it. Um, and so we're, I think as a, as a whole, as a society, we're losing sight of, of the actual use of the hands um, and the, and the value in it. Yeah. So for sure. So, um, kind of looking forward, uh, and again, this can be big picture, but, um, where do you see uh, future growth coming from? What, you know, what are, what would you think of as untapped markets, those kind of things. So, uh, yeah, without divulging any of our great secrets that we have in development, where would you yes. see us? Where would you see, you know, again, we're paying him for. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was your job. That's pretty good. This is my way to get uh, free insight and make sure I'm doing something that they like. Yeah, so. We're going to have to rethink this. <laughs> yeah. 
I got my notepad out. Go ahead, guys. I think some of that's going to come from in-store sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Uh, brick and mortar presence. And we've mortar. never we've never even tried um, at that, and we've had we got some opportunities ahead. So we're uh, I'm looking forward to putting some of that together and seeing what we can do there. Yeah, I think just uh, continue to improve the, uh, the the quality of the product, the efficiency of the product. I think being able to continue to make it affordable is going to be big uh, as as labor increases, as material increases. Uh, you only offset that by efficiency, so I think we're going to have to be efficient with it. Um, and I think one of the things that you were hitting on is uh, maybe listen to what the uh, what the customers say their uses are. Because uh, there are, again, uses that we didn't think of that come up with that might be markets for us. Very good. So yeah, that's all been great. Um, I think we can start to wrap it up, but I wanted to end by asking each of you. So what is it that you enjoy most about what you do? Um, and why do you do what you do? Don't jump at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got to think from them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I was enjoying it. But okay, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I, I think the bank is the reason I'm enjoying yeah. it. You know? <laughs> they tell me I can work for another 20 years and be done. But yeah. uh, I think the, the joy to me is to see that I can work with my son-in-law, my daughter, my grandkids, and uh, it's successful and nobody's uh, – so I've heard of families who have problems like that. I honestly think that the business has tightened our family as a group. Absolutely. to push us apart. So I'm, I think we're blessed that we can do it the way we do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. I think, uh, I think there's typically in family, there's all kinds of dynamics that um, counteract and, and the same thing's true in business and to actually integrate the two and still be able to uh, enjoy each other's company all every day and uh, get along. I will say this, uh, and I'll, I'll give, I'm going to give John credit for this. Um, uh, and never at any time in the in the forty years that I worked from has he ever um, put me in a situation to where um, I'm doing something beyond what I'm capable of. Uh, to where I feel like that anything that I'm doing is I'm done is done because I'm capable of it, and people respect that as opposed to that I'm doing it because of who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the same situation that I think that that you're in now. Um, I think that uh, it's it's easy for people to see who are associated with the business that you're doing what you're doing not because of who you are but what you but because of what you're capable of and uh, i guess that's the thing that makes me most proud about what you're doing i appreciate that that's yeah uh that's a great way to wrap it up guys that's been a lot of fun i know i've enjoyed it and i appreciate both of y'all taking time out of your day to come and sit down and record some of this so thanks guys yep thanks for having us thanks do i have to go back to work <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Organization Conversation is brought to you by Wall Control, a family-owned and operated producer of best-in-class wall-mounted organizers for your home or business, made right here in the USA. To learn more, go to wallcontrol.com.